Amen. Glad you came. Bless you. Good to see you. Glad you came this morning. Good to see you too. No, no, no. Praise the Lord. Wow. Man, glad you came on Monday morning. It's good to see hungry people. He said, if you hunger and thirst, you'll be filled. Hallelujah. I like the scripture tells us to, admonishes us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as some would do, especially as you see the day approaching. So we can see the day approaching, so we respond by coming to hear more of the Word. Hallelujah. I know you've had a great few services. This is your 10th anniversary. And how exciting to, uh, to not have any room left. Praise the Lord. And uh, that's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. So I know the Lord will, will speak to us the next few days. And I know He already has the last few services. But uh, Colleen and I are blessed to, to know Pastor Mark and Amy. And just, I think, I can't remember the first time we came here was maybe seven or eight, I don't know, years ago. But uh, it's exciting to see so many new people, so much growth. And I, I look forward to seeing your, you know, your helicopter pad and the runway you build up here, whatever you got to do. That'd be kind of cool just to do it like that. Hallelujah. And I was so excited when Pastor Mark said, hey, would you do uh, in times in the mornings? I said, absolutely. And uh, we, I think probably the last maybe 10 or so years, it seems like maybe the last four or five years especially, almost eight out of 10 invitations would be, would you come preach on in times? I was like, sure. And uh, I, I, I had to kind of preach on it years ago in the Bible schools over in Europe like 20 years ago because they couldn't get Billy Brim or, or Jack Van Empey, so they'd send Crazy Uncle Joe. <laughs> so Crazy Uncle Joe had to get all this in them to, to, to help the guys in Germany and Philippines or whatever. So we have so many verses we'll get into today. It'll show us right where we are in time. And it's amazing how we can see how close we are to His return. And what it'll do for us as a body, it'll fuel us, it'll push us yes. to do the will of God before Jesus comes. We are so blessed to be living right before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes back. Hallelujah. I mean, there should be an expectancy and a, and a joy and a peace in all of our lives. You know, uh, before you even preach on what you're going to preach on, this church, I know you know this morning, greater is He that's in you than He is in this world. Amen. This morning you know that, that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. So we can get into end times preaching, not having to backpedal, but we can start from uh, uh, number one and just, and just rock right ahead. So I endeavor, uh, usually I'm preaching way too fast, so I'm going to try to slow down because we have today and tomorrow and the next day to get this in. Uh, so just uh, we'll just uh, keep the caffeine to a minimum. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll get right in it. I'm just so glad to have Colleen with me. Colleen, stand up. This is my lovely wife. I'm so blessed. She's such a, a cool, beautiful woman. It's Peter and I. Yeah, it's Peter and I. I'll, I'll harass them. When Colleen hasn't been able to come with me, they'll go back to the book table and they'll go, did you hire that girl for the photo? Like, how did you get her? Praise the Lord. So see, she's actually with me. Hallelujah. We're married. <laughs> Because they'll go, no, no, that can't be your wife. I go, eh, well, actually, I paid her for the picture, praise the Lord. But, uh, no, I'm so glad to have Colleen with me. And Peter and I, should, dear friends of ours from Dallas, raise your hand, guys, back there. They were here the last couple of days. They're so low-key. Uh, uh, good to see you guys here. You probably came from the longest. Anybody come further than Dallas for the meetings? Amen. They came from Dallas. Hallelujah. Uh, so glad you guys are here. We'll have a great time. Bless you. Thanks for coming. Praise the Lord. We'll be blessed. Man, hallelujah. Well, good night, everybody. Drive safely. Hallelujah. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. No, grab your Bibles, and uh, you just turn wherever you think y'all are turn. We'll see if you're flowing. Praise the Lord. We'll see where we start. Now, there's, uh, there's about probably 20 hours worth of stuff we'll endeavor to do in the next uh, three sessions. So um, have an open heart and open mind, because really when it comes to end times, there's no bad news for us. Uh, there's, on, there's only good news. If you hear end time preaching and it scares you, uh, that means he, they're talking to the wrong group. <laughs> uh, for the world, it's scary. For the church, uh, we just get to shine brighter and brighter and brighter. There is no bad news for the church, and if that makes someone mad, uh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> just deal with it. <laughs> it's good to have good news. Hallelujah. We're living in a wonderful dispensation, the dispensation of the grace of God. And this time, God's not mad at anybody. He put all that on Jesus. Amen. He's not judging people. He's not frustrated with you. He loves you. He wants to manifest His love to you and His care for you, His kindness for you, and He's not frustrated with you. Hallelujah. We get to live by what happened to Jesus. He, he was put on a cross so that we wouldn't have to have any of that judgment. Hallelujah. Amen. And I believe right here before Jesus comes, He's raised you up, a generation, a group of people that would know their God, you'd be strong, and you would do exploits. Yes. So we'll get into these end times messages to see where, where we are in time so that we'll do what we're supposed to do in our time slot. Amen. How wild is that, that we're living right before the return? Yes. So let's pray. 
Turn to Second Peter, if you would. I don't know if I told you where to go. Turn to Second Peter, chapter three, and we'll start here. Uh, but we'll get into some fun stuff. We'll get into some cool signs today, especially some stuff that's happened in the last three or four years that is just radical. So we'll pray and get right into the Word. Lord, thank you for blessing every person that came this morning. We thank you for the call of God upon their lives, the hand of God upon this church, Lord. We thank you for these 10 years, Lord. We, we look back and see what you've done the last 10 years. We thank you for amplifying your voice, your Word. We thank you that your Word would be broadcast through this church. Your Word would be magnified, it would be exalted, it would be lifted up. And Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. This morning, we reverence you, Son of God. Jesus, we lift you up in everything that we'll, we'll hear about your return, that it'll be burning in our hearts to do the will. There'll be a renewal of zeal, a renewal of boldness, a renewal of grace. And Father, I thank you for a renewal of spiritual ambition to do the will of God before Jesus comes. So we thank you for expanding our, our hearts this morning. New revelation, new insight into your wonderful plan. Lord, we're grateful, grateful, grateful to be in this place and time, right before the King of kings and the Lord of lords returns. So help us, Father, help us. Help us walk in full stride, that we'd manifest the goodness and the grace of God in this generation, that all could see that Jesus was raised from the dead. We thank you for the equipment that you have given the church. And we say that we all walk in the full measure of our inheritance. We thank you for it. And Lord, we magnify you, we glorify you, we exalt you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. You know, the last, this last year, is a, it's a good time to be preaching on end times because you see all the changes that have been happening, even in uh, they call the Arab Spring. All those nations that surround Israel have been going through a great change this last year just so they can kind of get out the old leadership to get in new leadership that wants to destroy Israel. The older guys have so much money, they just want to get on their yacht and hang loose. So, so all those guys are getting pushed out so the new guys can come in that have that kind of uh, Islamic thought pattern to go, okay, let's annihilate Israel. So we're blessed that we're going to get into some things this morning that you can literally see something happening every single day about the coming of the Lord. It's just radical. So grab your Bibles there and run, turn to Second Peter, and we'll start here with chapter 3, and we'll get into some verses for a little bit, and then we're going to get into the signs here in a little bit about the second coming. And we'll kind of differentiate a little bit between the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. And we'll, and we'll get into some of the groups here a little bit. But we're going to go through some things today that show us right where we are. So when we leave, right now it's 11.17. When we leave today at noon, we can tell where we are. Now why is that a huge deal? Because if you, if you understand where you are, you'll know if you should speed up a little bit. I mean, if you're playing football and the two-minute warning happens, you, you get back to the huddle, you don't complain about how tired you are. You know, when you get back to the huddle, you don't go, well, you know, whatever. No, you've been, you've been practicing, you've been training, you've been doing all this so that when you're at the two-minute warning, you don't faint or get faint-hearted. You, you push on through and go, no, we've got to score. So that kind of score mentality has to be in the church. So we don't be moved by how we feel, don't be moved by what we see, we're moved by what the Word says about us. Amen. What's the Word say about us? He's redeemed us from the curse of the law. As He is, so are we in this world. Oh, come on now. So we... This is the time when we don't be moved by anything other than what He has said about us. Amen. So let's go here to 2 Peter chapter 3, look at verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, is page 295 if you've got a Bible like mine. In verse 1 of, of 2 Peter chapter 3, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. So I, I like that he's writing to the beloved, we're his beloved, and he wants to stir up some things so that we don't miss some things. Just like he, he wants us in position, the, the Old Covenant, you had the tribe of Issachar, they had an understanding of the times to know what the children of Israel ought to do. Indicating if you don't know what time it is, you won't know what you ought to do. Well, if a whole tribe was dedicated to that, we, we need to know where we are in time. So here he wants to stir up our pure minds. Why? Jesus rebuked them because he said, you can, tell the, you can tell the weather, but you don't know your hour or your visitation. So he wants us to know the seasons of God so that we'll do what we're supposed to do in our time slot. So he admonishes here in verse 2 that you'd be mindful of the words that were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles, the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now he kind of marks it out here in verse 5. For this they willingly are ignorant, 
that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. That sounds complicated, but he basically says here, in the last days there'd be a group of people walking after their flesh and they'd say, where's the promise of His coming? All things have been going like this forever and they're not going to change. Well, he says they're willingly ignorant. They forgot about the flood. In other words, change came whether they were ready for it or not. You notice Noah preached and not everybody thought he was crazy. But you know, when the animals start showing up, I think they start changing a little bit like, wait, something's up. I mean, even though, even though they thought he was crazy, the animals start showing up and they still didn't get in the boat. But here he says that the climate right before the coming of the Lord would people walking after their flesh won't know what time it is. All the more you walking after the Spirit should know what time it is. Because here he says they forgot. Now, the reason I say that is because in the church you can even feel that feeling. Well, I've been hearing the Lord's coming back all my life and He hadn't come back. Well, you've been hearing that because He's coming back. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times in the epistles, but he talked about the coming of the Lord 52 times. It's the theme of the book. He came the first time and died, and God raised Him from the dead, and Jesus is coming back again. Hallelujah. So the climate now in the last days is like, well, I don't really believe that, but man, in the church, we'll have the fervency because we do believe it. Because right now you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. So you want to make sure you, you get some good things on your resume. Hallelujah. So here, here in the preaching about the coming of the Lord, it, it alters us. So here, Peter's saying, this is the climate. They'll walk after their flesh. Well, we're not walking after our flesh, so we know what time it is. We're going to be in position, not missing the will of God for our lives. Not letting the things of the world uh, move us, but letting the things of the Word move us. So change came whether they liked it or not. Then he continues a little bit further and gives us a little clue in verse 8. He says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Well, here he talks about the last days. How do we know we're in the last days? I've heard people say that. Well, the Bible says that when Jesus came the first time, that was the last days. It says that when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, that was the beginning of the last days. Well, uh, if that's the beginning, we're here at the end. Praise the Lord. So he gives you a clue there with the thousand-year deal. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, thousand years is a day. All right, hang with me. Uh, 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years from Abraham to the first coming of the Lord. 2,000 years from the first coming of the Lord to the second coming of the Lord. How many days is that? That's six days, 6,000 years. We, we live our life based on how God set the planet up, okay? Our whole week is based on you. You go six days and the seventh day you rest. So the earth is about to enter into that millennial reign, that 7,000 year of rest. Hallelujah. So we're very, very close to that, and you can, you can feel in the church, right now the gospel's going all over the world. I was just with my buddy uh, a couple days ago, Ray Zasafa, uh, my Iranian buddy. I like to play golf with him because he's like this tall. I'll go, <laughs> I'll go, Ray come over here and stand by me. Praise the Lord. It makes me feel like I'm, uh, I'm tall. But uh, he, he, they have all these churches all over Iran, and he said they just recently started 90 new churches, Holy Ghost, Word of Faith churches all over Iran. It's just amazing. I mean, Jesus is appearing to different tribal leaders. Before they can get there to start a church, uh, Jesus has already appeared to them. We just yes. saw him two days ago at this wedding, and he was telling even more about how those things are just accelerating. So we're living when every nation, every tongue, every kindred is hearing the good news of Jesus of Nazareth. We're so, so blessed. So let's go a little further here and watch what he says in verse 17, and then we're going to get into all these signs here in just a moment. But look at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, I like it, he keeps calling us his beloved. Remember, he's not mad at you. Seeing that you know these things before. This is verse 17. He said, beware, lest you also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now that's a huge deal. This is, he's, he's, he's warning us that at, right before the coming of the Lord, make sure you don't get led away with the error of the wicked. What is the error of the wicked? Oh, we've got all the time in the world. When we know we don't have all the time in the world, time is short. Yes. Now why is that huge? Your priorities change. Yes. I'll say that again. Your priorities change. Yes. You know, everybody goes, well, I've been hearing the Lord's coming back. My mom raised me. I thought the Lord was coming back every night. But you know what it did to me? Every night I went to bed, Lord, I love you. You know, Because what it does is it lowers the haughtiness of man. Yes. If you think He's coming tomorrow, you should be reverent today. And so you feel that in the world right now. Well, whatever, I don't believe He's coming back. Well, you believe He's coming back, it makes you humble yourself to, to receive instruction from heaven. Lord, what would you have me to do in this hour right before you come back? Our daughter Lauren, she, she got me this pen years ago. It says, uh, uh, Jesus is coming to look busy. Well, <laughs> you, you don't want to fake it, praise the Lord. You, you want to heed the warning here. 
and make sure that you're not being led away. He said you could be led away with that error of the wicked. So he doesn't want you to fall from your own steadfastness. Remember, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. In righteousness, you're made to stand or you're established. What have you been hearing in the last 30 or 40 years? You're the righteousness of God in Christ. So it makes you stand. It makes you have an anchor. It makes you have a spiritual backbone so that right before the coming of the Lord, you're not moved by what you see. You're not moved by what you feel. You're moved by what heaven has for you before He comes back. So that He can have a visible, walking manifestation of what Jesus is like. And that's you. Hallelujah. So in the past you had Noah, now He's got all of you. Your voices. Your voices for God. Your mouthpieces for God. He's coming. He's coming again. Hallelujah. And you get to lift up your voice. It's the best witnessing tool there is that Jesus is coming back. Why is that a big deal? We're the only group that can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Amen. No other religion can tell you the future. One third of this book's future. Amen. Man, if you go through all the prophecies and how they came to pass, I mean, it's like so many trillion, trillion, all the, 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 it goes out so far of the odds of all of them coming to pass, it's just crazy. It's the coolest witnessing tool you have is to tell people what's going to happen before it happens. In fact, go to Isaiah real quick. Run back there for just a second. And then we'll get to the signs here in just a second. We'll get there. Go to Isaiah. How many still glad you came today? Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church. How many glad you're here you're not in jail? Come on. All right. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in church, not jail. Go to, go to Isaiah 46. And let's look at this verse real quick before we get into the signs. And I want to read you something here that will bless you. Isaiah 46. Look at this down in verse number 9. He said, remember the former things of old. I'm God, there's none else. I'm God, there's none like me. Now, I like this. He's talking about himself. This is how you can tell he's God. I, in verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He said, I'm God. I'll tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Now, listen to the first ten names of people in the Bible. This is kind of crazy. Their name and their meaning. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahaliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death brings. And Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Listen to what their names mean when you read them together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death brings a despairing rest. So he said, I'm God, I'll show you the end from the beginning. The first ten names of guys in the Bible give you the whole plan of redemption right there. That God knew before the foundation of the world that man would miss it, but Jesus said, I'll go and I'll die for them. Wow. So that he would have people just like him. That would have free will, that would be made in his image, and he knew we'd miss it. Wow. I think I would have come up with another plan. Like, let's see. Uh, uh, let's just have robots that do exactly what I tell them to do. Praise the Lord. <laughs> But no, he saw that you would, you, would, you would put a smile on his face when, when, you, you, when you would obey when nobody else would. When you'd do the will of God when nobody else would, he'd just smile and go, oh, you trust me. Hallelujah. So this is the best witnessing tool you got. No, uh, Islam can't tell you what's going to happen before it happens. No other religion, only Christianity, because God is God. Wow. Now, why is that a huge deal? Because most of Revelation is, is about the future that God could show the earth what that seven years is going to look like uh, because people have a tendency to miss it. I mean, you think about it. We don't have to be here during the tribulation, but can you imagine all the signs? I mean, we're going to get raptured. We get to go up, and we'll get into all that maybe tomorrow morning. We'll get into the differences there, but uh, even during the tribulation, you have an asteroid hit, and the uh, water is spoiled or whatever with radioactivity, and uh, maybe you're fishing, you know, and the water turns to blood, and you're like, hmm, we're not catching much today. So, so see, God's going to show the whole earth after we're gone, all, sign after sign after sign after sign, and He put all of that in the book so they could go to the book and go, wow, He put so many verses in here because of His mercy and His kindness so that we couldn't miss it. Hallelujah. So let's go back for just a minute. Let's get into some rules here for just a minute to comprehend end-time preaching so easy. When it comes to end-time preaching, make sure you understand who the Lord's talking to. Because we're going to go to Luke now. Go to Luke chapter 21. Now, now, in Luke 21, who's He talking to? He's talking to Jewish boys that are not born again yet. Because talking to the church, He has a different flavor. Now, hang with me. This is the verse that I never thought people would get mad at me about, but people actually get frustrated. Because, you know, people will say this, well, you know, we'll come to, we're in, this is end times these mornings. How do we know how close we are to the coming of the Lord? And people will go, well, of that day and that hour, no man knows. And I hear people preach that. I hear wonderful ministers, even on TV, nationally known, will say that. 
Well, he was talking to Jewish boys there about the second coming. Because in the church, he said, you are not in darkness so that they would overtake you as a thief. Now, you see, where I get most of my information from, I love the Gospels, but it's still Old Covenant. Okay? I love the Gospels, but it's still Old Covenant. Where my Bible's all tore up is the Epistles. Because I want to live where he's writing to me where I'm alive unto God. Now listen to the difference in the terminology when he's talking to people that aren't saved and when he's talking to people that are saved. And when he's talking to people that aren't saved, yet they're, they're servants. They're laboring for his approval. Well, talking to us, we're saints. I'm not laboring for his approval. He's already, listened, presented me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. So there's a different temperament when it comes to who he's talking to. So we're going to get some in-time information here from the Gospels, but hang with me. Get this in your head real quick at 11.30. At 11.30, and when he's talking in the Gospels, he's only talking about the second coming of Christ because the rapture was a mystery. Jesus never talks about the rapture because that was a mystery for the church. So when it comes to all the second coming verses in the Gospels, people try to put that on the church. And hang with me. I hear all these people go, well, the, the ten virgins, if they have oil in their lamp, uh, he's not talking to the church, he's talking to Jewish boys there. I don't have to get oil in my lamp. I've got the originator of the oil right here, the Holy Ghost. Because see, that makes you feel like you don't qualify yet. Because see, talking to those Jewish boys, they didn't qualify yet because Jesus wasn't raised from the dead yet. Okay? Once you're born again, you've already qualified. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. So with that in mind, let that sink into you because all that does is show you how powerful redemption is. Yes. Hallelujah. So go to Luke 21. Let's run over here for a moment. Look at Luke 21. Now, the reason we get into this stuff is because there's, <laughs> we are the group that will be here when Jesus comes back. Amen. Yes. I got a few amens and a couple of grunts. Here we go. <laughs> Now, why is this a huge deal? Now, hang with me. Lauren, is uh, our daughter, is actually getting married in, uh, next month, in October. And when she was in high school, she ran cross-country. And when she's running cross-country, uh, you know, I couldn't keep up with her, so I would go to different points where she'd be running. I'd go to this point after she'd run about half a mile, and she'd say, How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? And I'd tell her, you got a mile and a half. So she's pacing herself. Now, she's been training for all this time for this race, but in the race, she's pacing herself. And when she's gone half a mile, I go, you got a long ways to go. Keep going, keep going. I'd go to the other spot. She'd go, how far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? She's running, how far, Daddy? I go, you got a mile left. She's, she's, I, I, run, I cut across the deal, needed a motorcycle. But anyway, I cut across the deal. I get to where she was coming that next time. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? She's wanting to know how far it is to the finish line. I said, you got half a mile. Then she'd come around this turn like this, and all of a sudden she'd see the finish line up there, and I'd be right there by her. I'd be yelling, run, run. She never asked me how far it is. She can see the finish line. So when she sees the finish line, she's not going, what am I going to do? Man, it, it produces a burst. You call it adrenaline, whatever you want to call it. And that's why we get into end time preaching, so you can see the finish line. So when you see the finish line, you don't slow down, you, you accelerate. And she didn't have to ask me anything. She, did, she ignored me. She had her eyes set on the prize. I'm going to finish this race. And I'm screaming, run! I said, there's people coming up behind you, hustle! So heaven, heaven's yelling at us right now. Heaven's talking to us to finish our course. You, you haven't come to the very end of the church age to, to, to basically go, well, you know, whatever. No, you've come to the end of the church age to shine. You've come to the end of this deal to, to manifest what you've been hearing for 30 or 40 years. And that is how awesome He is. He is so good, and His mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. So let's get into some signs here to show us how close we are. Now, why do we get into signs? You get into signs so you can pace yourself. Like if you're on the interstate and you want a McDonald's, you want a quarter pounder with cheese, large fries, Diet Coke, you, you go, okay, the McDonald's sign is seven miles away. So you know in your brain, in seven miles, I'm going to exit. Isn't that right? You, you start thinking, okay, quarter pounder of cheese, large fries. And, uh, there's another sign that says two miles. You know, uh, you know, two miles. So you, you start pacing yourself. I went five miles. And as you get closer, you know where the exit is. You're not crazy. You've seen two signs. I know after seeing two signs that tell me how close it is, I'm just about to exit the freeway. We're going to look at here some signs in just a moment that are idiot-proof, inarguable, exact, precise. That you, they're, 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 There's no wishy-washiness to it. These are exact signs for our generation that show us how close we are to Jesus coming back so that you can tell how close you are to your exit or your departure. And a lot of people have that feeling, well, you know, I, I don't want the Lord to come back because I feel like there's so much I'm supposed to do. And I, I feel that. Well, see, you're not done when you're raptured. Right. <laughs> you're not going to get to heaven just walk around, floating around, playing violins. No, you're, you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. 
you're getting ready to enforce His kingdom for a thousand years. We'll get into that all the next few mornings. So, so if you're wondering, why I just feel like there's so much left for me to do? Well, of course there is. It's because you're going to live forever. I bought a guitar the other day. I had given some guitars away, you know, so I got me a guitar the other day, and I'm in the guitar store, and the Lord goes, uh, why don't you learn how to play every instrument? And I said, what? I mean, I heard his voice real clear. He goes, you're going to live forever. It's like, wow, okay. I got plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I don't have time to learn the piano. Uh, you're going to live forever. <laughs> I don't have time to learn the violin. Uh, you're going to live forever. So you can't use that as an excuse. So go to Luke here with him. Chew on that for a minute. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Chew on that. Look at Luke 21. This is Luke chapter 21. Now Jesus is talking about some signs here of the second coming, and we'll, we'll get into these. Luke chapter 21, verse 24. Now we know the rapture of the church is seven years before the second coming. Come back tomorrow or the next day, and I'll prove that out for you. Come back tomorrow, and I'll prove that you can't be here during the tribulation period. Amen. So look at verse 24 of chapter 21. Everybody with me? He said, they'll, they'll fall by the edge of the sword. That happened in 70 A.D. And they shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles or the nations until the times of the Gentiles or the nations be fulfilled. And that's a pretty bold statement. Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem overthrown and when it's won back by the Jews, time's up. In other words, when Jerusalem's overthrown by the nations, but when Jerusalem comes back, you'll know that, that basically time's up. That's such a huge statement that he's going to have to clarify that because that's so bold. He said, when you can tell that Jerusalem's gotten back by the Jews, the times of the nations are up or fulfilled. That's so huge because that's just a, mo- a monumental deal. In 1967, Jerusalem was won back. It's called the Six-Day War. After, in six days, they won Jerusalem back, and that's what the whole deal is over right now, over the pressure for them to give up the borders from what? The Six-Day War. Jesus said, when Jerusalem's going back, time's up. So hang with me. Just get that in your head for a minute, and then we'll, we'll back up a little bit. So we'll look at verse number 29. He's going to give us a parable to help us. He said, look at the fig tree. Now, the fig tree is the nation of Israel and all the trees. Those are the prophetic nations that begin to blossom around there. I mean, Iran used to be called Persia, now it's Iran. Everything's changed over the years. Verse 30, When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Hmm. You can see and know. I heard Brother Hagin say over the years, you have a spirit of seeing and a spirit of knowing. Where'd that come from? The Holy Ghost is amplifying that verse in you so that you have an unction in you to know where you are in time. Now, Jesus says here, he said, look at Israel. He didn't say look at the church. Because if you look at the church, you say Jesus could never come back. <laughs> no, he said, look at Israel. Israel will be your timepiece. Now, how many of you wear a watch? I, I like watches. You know, why, why do you wear a watch? So you'll be where you're supposed to be on time. Why? You don't miss an appointment. If you know what time it is, you can pace yourself, right? Uh, so look what happens here. He goes in the next verse there. He says in verse 31, Likewise, in the same way, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now, he just talked about in verse 30 when the fig tree bud. All right, that happened in 1948. Israel was made a nation. Against all odds, they, 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 formed, they came together from all over the earth. People came back together to Israel to form a nation. I mean, it's just miraculous. I, I, I won't go into all of it this morning, but miracle after miracle after miracle. Gold of my ear came over to New York right there in 1948, right before May, and the, the Israelis needed money to start their nation. And, a, and a, people in New York began to give her money. She got off the plane. Her dress was swinging out like that. She had 10 to $15 million strapped to her body that Americans had given her. And uh, it was a miracle that God would bring them back from all over the earth. Amen. I mean, it's, just am- it's amazing that they'd be scattered in Acts chapter 8 and regathered exactly 2,000 years later. After two days, I'll raise them up. And the third day, I'll live in their sight. After 2,000 years, God brought them back. So he said, you could see and know it. How many of you, after the snow all winter, all of a sudden the trees begin to bud? Nobody has to tell you there's a temperature change. You don't go, what's up? What are we doing? This is weird. No, it's summertime. Jesus said, you could look at the fig tree bud, which is the nation of Israel, and you could see this, and you could know this. But then in this next verse, he tells you something, that you could know the kingdom of God is not at hand. When you see these things come to pass, what things? Israel made a nation, and Jerusalem won back. When you see these two things, you could see this and you could know this. And I'm going to give you about 15. He said, if you see these two, you can know this. Not wonder. I'm not wondering if the Lord's coming back soon. I know He is. 
because I've seen these in my lifetime. 1948, 1967. Pretty crazy. I mean, the Six-Day War in 67, man, I can't believe... I'm going to slow down for just a minute because I want to get into a bunch more stuff. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. <laughs> There's, just in the last two or three years, you can see videos of these guys from the Six-Day War. The miracles that happened that are almost like Old Covenant. See, in this dispensation, he said, preach the word, I'll confirm the word with signs following. In the Old Covenant, God had to outwardly deal with them. In the Six-Day War, man, God was outwardly dealing with people. I watched the videos of the guys that I used to preach about, still preach about. One of the ones is the guy that was one of the tank commanders. Uh, the Syrian army was coming down against the, the Israelis, and there was one Israeli man in the tank. And all night, he's firing shells at the Syrians. And after a while, there were 80-some-odd Syrian tanks. After a while, the Syrian tank commander comes out with a white flag, walks up to the one Israeli soldier in the tank. And he says, I want to surrender to the highest-ranking officer according to the Geneva Convention. I get to go to the boss. And then the guy looks around and goes, what do you mean the boss? He says, I'm the only one here. He goes, that's impossible. Your whole countryside has been filled with tanks and you've been shelling us all night. And there was one tank there. Now, this guy goes, I'm secular. I don't even believe in God. So these guys, these guys are having all this happening because God said in the last days, I'm going to bring them back. And He's done it. In the Six-Day War, God protected them one, a couple other times where they were surrounded. There's no way they could get to safety. And there was a minefield right there. And the guys even looked at each other and said, well, the, the army guys are coming at us. We've got four or five shells. There's no way we win. This huge windstorm blows through and exposes every one of the mines and they walk right through the mines. It's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle because Jesus said, when you see Jerusalem one back, some time's up. 1967, that happened. 1948, Israel's made a nation. Man, if we could get into all that, just I, I'd like to preach about two or three hours on just Israel being made a nation. Because Ezekiel said, in Ezekiel, he, the prophet Ezekiel saw those bones coming back together from all over the world, from Russia. I mean, oh, 1492, Columbus came over to America because the Jews were expelled out of, out of Spain and God got a place of, of resting for the Jews so they could come. And America's the biggest population of Jews all over the world. And from Miami, from New York, from Russia, from here or there, they've all come back to their homeland. They don't even know why. They go, something on the inside of me told me to come back. Yes. And Jesus said, when you see this, something's up. But I'm going to get to the signs here, but hang with me. <clears throat> There's so much I want to get into. Help me, Jesus. All right, this next verse, is, is everybody with me on verse 32? You ready? Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. What generation is that? The generation that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem won back. He's, let's just say it this way. The group of people that's alive to see these two events. Now, I'm going to give you 15 Jesus said the group that sees these two will not pass away to all fulfilled. People go, well, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Right. <laughs> People go, I don't believe that. It don't matter. You know, Jack Van Impey didn't say it. Perry Stone didn't say it. Jesus said the generation or the group of people that sees these two, you're the group when Jesus is coming Amen. back. So my friend, you're, you get to be raptured. You get to be caught up. I can't wait to get a glorified body. Amen. <laughs> You know, I'm the right weight. I'm just not the right height. So, so I'm going to get my glorified body and all will be well. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's go through a few more here. Here, here This is pretty cool. Jesus tells us to look at Israel. Now, Israel is the timepiece. In the Old Covenant, they had a timepiece. Remember Methuselah? Remember the Bible talks about Enoch, walk with God. When did he start walking with God? didn't say he started walking with God until he had that boy, Enoch. Uh, Enoch had Methuselah. Methuselah means when he is dead, judgment comes. I mean, he was a walking timepiece. How'd, be, how'd you like to have your name go, hey, when I die, you all die? What's your name? Hey, when I'm toast, you're toast too. Well, you know, back then, their names meant so much, they'd probably thought, let's bring Methuselah some food. And he was the oldest living man ever recorded. And guess what? The year that Methuselah died, the flood came. So he was a walking timepiece. The year he died, the flood came. Jesus says here, look at Israel. Look how God is dealing with Israel right now on this day. Every single day they're in the news. You know, uh, Sweden's not in the news every day. Germany's not in the news every day. Philippines's not in the news every day. But Israel's in the news every single day. Wow. He said, I'll make Jerusalem a couple of trembling for all nations. Now, why is that a huge deal? Because Jesus is going to reign there forever. That'll be the capital of the universe forever. Oh, the devil doesn't like that. Too bad, so sad. Amen. <laughs> all right, so here we got Israel made a nation. That's number one. Huge. That's the deal. Inarguable. Every scholar, every end-time scholar, you can't, you can't deny that. Jerusalem won back. Bingo. Happened in your lifetime. Huge. Main events. 
that show you how close you are to the coming of the Lord. All right, the next one. In Zephaniah, it says that right before the Messiah would come back, the Hebrew language would be restored. Okay, 100 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew there. Now they all speak Hebrew. I was there 10 years ago, and uh, me and a few people were getting ready to meet with Ariel Sharon, the Prime Minister of Israel. And I'm in the, uh, the what do you call it there, the, uh, the office there where the President is. The White House would be in America. It was, used to be in Tel Aviv, now it's in Jerusalem. So I'm thinking, man, I'm getting ready to meet with the Prime Minister of Israel. It's so cool. And I remember the leather chairs, I remember the black and white photographs. And I was thinking, I'm going to get me a pencil that had some Hebrew writing on it because it looks so cool. And while we're waiting for them to come in, I grabbed me a pencil and pulled it up and it's made in Iowa. I said, man, that's not cool. I want, I want, I want something that has some Hebrew on it, you know. So while we're sitting there waiting for them to come, you can hear every person walking down the halls. This is how they're talking. They're speaking Hebrew. Hundred years ago, nobody spoke Hebrew. One man, Eleazar, I can't even remember his last name. This guy said, "You know what? We need to come back with Hebrew language." Now everybody speaks Hebrew because the Bible says right before the Messiah would come back, that language would be restored. You know what a miracle that is? That's never ever happened in history ever. Happened in your lifetime. So you got Israel made a nation. You got Jerusalem won back. You got the Hebrew language restored. The next one, which is a huge one would be the revival of the Roman Empire. Now, these are all signs of the second coming of the Lord. <laughs> and thank God we get to be raptured seven years before that. Praise yeah. the Lord. So, so you have uh, the, the revival of the Roman Empire. This is huge because it's the United States of Europe we know, and you watch Italy getting more and more involved even right now with the, the economy that's going on over in Europe. But uh, 25 years ago... or First time, I went to Israel, first time I went to Europe, you had to have your passport to go from France, to go to Germany, all the hassle. Now you can go anywhere you want to go. And they said, well, they'll never go to one currency. Then they went to the euro, and the world is pushing for one world currency. So uh, the revival of the Roman Empire. Uh, Daniel even saw that that would be the, the platform for the Antichrist, that he would come from revived Rome. That's in Daniel. We'll get into that maybe tomorrow or the next day. But anyway, here you have that happening in your lifetime. You can look at... Maybe you look at some preacher from the 1500s. You, I get, you get these old uh, uh, commentaries from 1400, 1500, 1600. They all said right before the second coming that, that Europe would have to unite into one federation. That's what they called it. And that happened in your lifetime. 1957, they said we felt like Romans on that day. They signed the Treaty of Rome. I know it sounds a little boring, but these are all things that the Bible said has to happen right before the Lord comes back. That's huge. Revival of the Roman Empire. All right, the next one. You with me? Everybody running with me? Now, these are signs. It's showing us how close to our exit now. The next one is the Ethiopian Jews. The Bible says right before Jesus would come back, he'd bring the Ethiopian Jews back. And one day he brought them back. I'm watching headline news years ago, and Chuck Roberts said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. More my ears perked up. All of a sudden, the Ethiopian Jews were airlifted in one day. And a crazy American paid for it to be done. And this American was known for being uh, evil, running from the law. And he was actually living in Europe because he was so uh, known for being a drug runner and all that. And he was running from the American law. And, and he, they said, you know what, won't you do something good for uh, the Jews? And he paid $30 million and 18,000 of them were airlifted in one day. Because the Bible says right before the Messiah will come back, I'll bring them back. Remember the Queen of Sheba, after the house of the Lord was finished in the Old Covenant, for Solomon there, she came to meet with Solomon. The house of the Lord, right now the church is the house of the Lord. She brought him 666 talents of gold. Well, the mark of the beast would be 666. Well, you know, they had a baby and brought a whole new group of people there to the Ethiopian Jews, and God said, right before the Messiah would come back, I'll bring them back. It happened in 1992. Okay? She had Israel made a nation. Jerusalem won back. What's the next one? Revival of the Roman Empire. Hebrew language restored. What was the next one? Ethiopian Jews brought back. Okay, the next one's the fertility of the land of Israel. This one's kind of, kind of inarguable. They're all inarguable. This one's kind of amazing. Hang with me. A uh, hundred and something years ago, Mark Twain was there. He said, the land is so desolate, no one can live here. The land can't support life, he said. He wrote it down. Well, in the last 50 years, when they were made a nation, it's completely blossomed. Uh, 90% of, the, of Europe gets their fruit from a little piece of land called Israel, the size of New Jersey. Now watch this. Uh, just below the Dead Sea, there's a desert there called the... Uh, I can't pronounce it very good because I can't do Hebrew real good, but it's, it's Araba Desert. 
and uh, there's nothing growing there. It's just been, just been a wasteland. The Jews called it, uh, uh, we'd call it no man's land. They'd say God forsaken. Well, about 35, 40 years ago when satellites began to go up, they were looking at some of the satellite imagery and they noticed there was some water in one spot there, but it was underground. They, they, they drilled down 1,500 feet and all of a sudden they found massive reservoirs of water. That desert turned into absolute irrig- irrigation land to where there's about 60-some-odd farms there that are producing. And the Bible says, right before the Lord would come back, I'll turn the deserts and make them blossom. That desert that had been Arab that they called a wasteland, that they called no man's land, God forsaken, is absolutely flourishing. You can go up on the Golan Heights and you can get on the edge of Syria and you can see Damascus over the hill. I told one of my buddies that I believe is going to be the Prime Minister of Israel here for too long. I said, you guys are going to nuke Damascus. He said, what? Because uh, the Bible says that they'll make it a wasteland forever. And uh, I was freaking out because I thought, how do they sprinkler this whole area? You know, because I have mowed grass all my life, you know, and I'm watching the grass up there. I'm like, it's like, how did they do underground sprinklers to make the grass look so lush? Because you can see the border of Syria, and you can see where the Israeli land starts. Where the Israeli land is, it's flush and, and, and lush and beautiful green grass. I thought, man, how do you guys do that? He goes, we don't sprinkle or anything. It just grows like that. <laughs> Hello. It's visible, visible covenant blessing where God said in the latter years, I'll, I'll make their land produce. Wow. I, I went up to the cornfields out in the middle of nowhere up where the Battle of Armageddon will be, and I thought, they have, look at all the rows. They, they lined all the stuff with roses everywhere. I said, why would they decorate the cornfields? He said, well, the insects will go to the roses before they'll go to the corn. So I thought, well, that's kind of wild to decorate your cornfields. Hallelujah. They just know how to do it. Uh, So here you have the fertility of the land of Israel. It's just completely blossomed, it's grown. The next one is you have the, 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 they are ready for the temple to be rebuilt. It's called the Temple Mount of, of Jerusalem, the Temple Mount Institute. They have had people going to school with their last names are Cohen. It means priest. They have all these people that have their garments, that have all the stuff ready for when we are raptured, they're going to rebuild a temple and they're going to start having sacrifices again. Now, why is that a huge deal? Because they had sacrifices in the Old Testament and God owes them seven years of Old Testament time. Okay? So they're going to go be going back to Old Testament sacrificing. So uh, uh, they have all of that ready. And it's amazing. They, they found the oil of anointing. They have the red heifer. They have all these people ready. The moment after we're raptured, you watch, man. They'll figure out a way to rebuild that temple, and they'll kick right in with, with sacrifices again. Now, 30 years ago, nothing was ready. 20 years ago, a few things were ready. 15 years ago, a few more things. Right now, everything is ready. The moment we're gone, you watch. They'll get to do that. It's just amazing, all these little signs right here in a row, right here before the Lord comes back. Go to Matthew real quick. Wow, i got to stop. Holy cow. Go to Matthew 24 real quick. I want to give you a couple more real quick that will bless you. Matthew 24. This is a couple tidbits that will bless you. How many of you ever heard of Bishop Malachi, Catholic bishop, in the year 1129? You ever heard of him? He had these visions that came to him, which if I was a Catholic church man, I'd put this in every church. He had these visions that came to him to show him the coat of arms for every pope that would be, that basically their coat of arms is what their, their papalness stands for. Like each one has a different coat of arms. He quoted, listen to this, the coat of arms for 110 popes in a row and got all of them right. Didn't miss it on one. And there, 110 out of 111. The one we have right now is 110, so there's one more pope. Now, he didn't miss it. He's 110 for 110. That's batting pretty good average, praise the Lord. So the Pope we have now is kind of old, isn't he? I don't mean elderly. I don't say old, but it, you know, up there in years. So the next one's the one during the tribulation. That's pretty radical. The next one's even more radical. I was watching the Animal Planet channel. I don't normally watch. You can ask my wife. I normally watch sports, cars, whatever, uh, racing, or, or any kind of sports. So I'm watching the Animal Planet show don't normally get into that. There's an ornithologist on there. The only reason I know what an ornithologist is, my brother went to college for 12 years to study birds. So, yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so he goes to college for 12 years to study birds. He's an ornithologist. And listen to what this ornithologist said. She said, I don't understand it. We have the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. 172 species of predatory birds are gathering right now in Israel. Largest gathering ever. 
Okay? Even when that happened, when I heard that, I was like, what? Because remember, there's two different battles, Ezekiel 38 and Ezekiel 39, where Russia comes down on Israel. That's right after the rapture. And the Bible says that God calls on the fowls of the air to come and clean the land up. The flesh of men, captains, of horses and all that. At the battle of Armageddon, at the end of the tribulation, the Bible says the angels cry out with a loud voice to all the fowl of the air to come and clean the land up. Right now, God's already got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. Now, they may have mocked Noah, whatever, but the animals start showing up, something's up. The animals have been showing up in Israel right now. People go, I don't really believe it. Don't matter. You got a secular ornithologist go, I don't understand it. We were at the San Diego Zoo the other day. We took Lauren and her fiance down there. And because I was thinking 172 predatory, what's up with that? Well, I went over to the hawk area. There's like 25 different species of hawks. Went over to the vulture area. 30 something species of vultures. Went over to the eagle. So there's, there's all these different species of cleanup crew that God's already sent to the nation of Israel right now. So <laughs> we're blessed to be living right before the coming of the Lord. I'll give you another sign. In 2,500 years, this has never happened in history where Russia would make an alignment with Iran. It happened in in the year 2008. happened in your lifetime. Why? Because Ezekiel 38 and 39 said that Iran is going to help Russia come down on Israel and and God's going to defend her. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at one more verse and we'll close. Everybody with me? Look at Matthew 24. Now, these are, these are signs that show us how close we are. We're very, 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 very close to the coming of the Lord. So, as a church, we do everything we can to get the message out. 25 years ago, okay, we'll get the message out. Right now, what? Lay everything aside. You don't fit church into your life, it is your life. Man, I think I'll do Elvis Presley on that one. You don't fit church into your life. Because, you know, that's kind of the temperament of today. You're like, well, you know, I don't really feel like... No, you, you don't fit it in. It is your life. Yes. You're about to stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, You're about to go from faith to sight. You'll see, you'll see His eyes as a flame of fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. Wow. Mm. Glorious. Glorious King. So we're, we're blessed to get to watch these things transpire on the earth right before they... Happen. Wow. So look at this next one, and then we'll close. Matthew 24. We'll, we'll run through this one. Mm. Matthew 24. Look at verse 1. You with me there? Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus said, See not all these things I say unto you. They shall not left, be left here one stone upon another, shall not be thrown down. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world or the end of the age? Because we know the world's never coming to an end. It's just going to be altered. Jesus said, Take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And that's a Hebrewism for one nation going to war that starts a world war. happened twice in the last century. He said, Famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Well, you could preach on that for a little while, couldn't you? Man. He said in verse 8, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now in your Bible there, the word sorrows there is the word birth pains. In your Bible, mark in your Bible at verse 9 to verse 21. That's the tribulation period. Jesus is showing them what it's going to look like. Now hang with me. This is the, one of the most interesting signs ever. Jesus said, they said, what's it going to look like? What's the sign of your coming? Watch what Jesus said, the tribulation period. <laughs> Now, I would have said, when you see the church walking in the glory of God and raising the dead, because that's the way I think, because I'm in the church. But Jesus said, when you see the tribulation period. Why? Because it's such a seven-year period that's idiot-proof. You've got asteroids, you've got nuclear war, you've got all the most horrific things happening on the earth that people can't miss. So he began to talk about all the different signs that you would see. He said, that would be the sign of His coming. Now, why is that huge? Islam is judged during that time. It's called the Whore of Babylon. Now, hang with me. Islam's come to the forefront just in the last 20 years. Islam attacked our nation 10 years ago. So out of nowhere, all of a sudden, Islam comes to the forefront. Why is that a big deal? It's a huge deal because Jesus says here, uh, he's about to come back. You see symptoms of that seven-year period, those things that will come out of that seven years that God's getting ready to deal with. We're not in the tribulation now. Come back tomorrow, and I'll show you why you you don't even qualify to be here then. Hallelujah. I'll give you some exact verses that show you that you have to be raptured. Amen. I'll show you the qualifications for the rapture. We're very, 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 very blessed. Amen. 
that word there, birth pangs, there in Matthew 24, is like a woman going into labor. How many of you ladies, when you start having your baby, how many of you went into labor and did you go play golf that afternoon? How many, how, many, how many went bowling that day? Hey, let's do a little bowl. No, no. When those labor, when the contractions started, what'd you do? You said, let's get to the hospital. Right? The contractions got so severe that you couldn't ignore them. So Jesus said there's going to be some things on the earth so severe you can't ignore them. So thank God. Now, he's still talking to boys that aren't saved yet. Okay? He's talking to the church. He didn't have to warn us about the tribulation. He tells us, he said, hey, you're not appointed to wrath to attain salvation. What's the purpose of the tribulation? Pressure on the earth to get the Jews to accept Jesus as their Messiah because most people will ride the fence. Either, during that time, you'll either be for him or against him. You will, most people, eh, I don't feel like making my mind up yet. Well, it's a call of foxhole mentality for seven years. Right. When somebody's got tomahawk missiles flying over their head, they're kind of like, Lord, you're the man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it, as crazy as the tribulation is, it will make people make a decision. Yes. And notice, God's going to basically date Israel for seven years. Notice what He had to do to date them. He had to bring them back to their land. Yes. And then He's going to impress her. Russia comes down to try to get her, and He obliterates Russia. Mm-hmm. He wants to show off for her. Yeah. So He wants to show her how much He loves her. Yeah. Well, see, I don't have to go through that kind of stuff to know that. I already know that. Because yes. <laughs> I've already accepted Him as my Savior. Yes. King of kings and Lord of lords. So there's so many more signs you can get into. We'll pick back up with them tomorrow. But remember one, you've got Israel made a nation. Jerusalem won back. Hebrew language restored. Revival of the Roman Empire. You've got the Temple Mount Institute. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got, man, there's so many more. There's technology. No other time ever could you have had the mark of the beast right now. Tell that to somebody 200 years ago, you're going to have a chip in your arm. You're crazy. I was preaching down in Jacksonville. A guy came up to me and said, hey, my buddy paid for his groceries on his wrist. At uh, Skaggs Albertsons. The guy said, hey, I don't have to put my card out. Watch this lady. He goes, well, it won't scan that through your skin. He goes like this, boop. And it took his visa information and paid for his groceries on his wrist. Fifty years ago, tell somebody that, and I go, what are you talking about? <laughs> so we're, live, we're, we're the group that has that technology. So there's all these signs. We're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed, we're blessed. Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads before we go, and let's thank Him. Lord, we love You. We thank You. We thank you, we thank you that we are aware. We're spiritually aware of the time we live. Father, help us. Help us do what you've called us all to do. We say today as a church, Lord, after 10 years, we mark it down, Lord, to do the will of God before Jesus comes. I ask you to strengthen every person in this room. I thank you for a renewal of boldness for them to do your will. We thank you for great grace. Great grace upon every one of them. And Father, we come to this time of service. We, we surrender our, our hearts and our wills to your will. We'll do exactly what you want us to do. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. amen.